0: You're listening to The Hoof of the Horse, a podcast dedicated to Ferrari and equine science with Dr. Simon Curtis. Our podcast today is sponsored by Hoof Care Essentials Foundation partner, NC Tool Company.
1: I've come out of Farrier Focus, uh, which is a two-day event, which we'll speak about later, And I've taken the opportunity to catch up with Sarah Logie. Sarah is a Scottish farrier. Uh, She's from the Highlands and she's a fellow of the Worshipful Company of Farriers. So she has a a number of unusual traits and we're going to explore some of those. Uh, Good morning, Sarah. Morning. So tell me, what was your first experience of horses?
0: Actually, it was a lifelong since I was little, obsessed with them, and the always followed my big sister into things, so she had had riding lessons, and I was about the age of four, and my first memory is getting uh, a sideways movement off a pony where I ended up hitting the deck in the arena and thinking I didn't think the world could go that direction, and it was a very un- cheery little pony called happy so as every child should be introduced to horses through shetland ponies um and that was probably from then on that was the equine addiction um and then
1: it got warped into farrery <laughs> so all right then uh, how did you become a farrier
0: i had when we moved to the highlands with my mom and her partner um i had found the nearest horses as i always had done we'd moved quite a lot And basically bugged the life out of whoever owned them so that I could do anything. And I'd ended up on the doorstep of Robin Pape. And his wife at the time, Val, was an endurance rider. So I made myself useful and basically didn't go away. That was at the age of 14. And I stayed there as I was in school and that was my, when I wasn't in school, I was at Robins and most of the time didn't see him because he was out shooing, but started to get an idea of what was involved with the job. Also became friends with the apprentice prior to me and when I got to the point of wondering what I wanted to do after school, I looked at all the options that were involved with uh, horses and I'd come to the conclusion that there was key elements I wanted. So I wanted to be self-employed. I wanted to progress. Now, having been on yards since the age of Dot, I knew that there is only so far you can go with a shovel. And I <laughs> kind of wanted to use my brain a little bit more than that. Appreciated I wasn't a talented enough rider to make that a career. Mm-hmm. And I love my biology and I love my art. And it was a very logical list that led me to Ferrari. Although, at the time, I sat there with the, um, Ian Davis, who was the previous apprentice, telling him what a stupid idea it was and how you ended up with a bad back, bad knees. All the complaints that I saw from him and Robin coming back from the end of the day. Not that Robin ever complained, you just saw the effects. And, uh, but unfortunately, logic won and I couldn't shake this idea. I'd looked at chiropractic and I looked at everything else and it kept coming back to Farry. So I turned around to Robin from his point of view, probably out of the blue, and said i want to be a farrier <laughs> really so he said well you have to go do the pre-farrier course because if you don't like a year you're not going to like the rest of your life doing it and said off you go to warwickshire now at that point there was no promise of you coming back to the highlands it was just that's the direction to take off you go that year went extremely well and i really enjoyed it and i ended up with uh spending a month with hugh dyer on my work experience which i loved And then in between times, I'd also done a trial with Robin, with five other lads had had the same time. And it actually came down to a 24-hour period when Robin phoned me and offered me the job. And Hugh phoned him the next day to ask for a reference because he was going to offer me a job. So it was 24 hours between Yorkshire and the Highlands. Okay. (laughs) Well,
1: it was the the Highlands that that you chose.
0: Yep.
1: (laughs) And uh, and so tell us something about the Highlands, because not everybody would know...
0: It's a very, very diverse environment. And I think that's actually the best part of my education was the fact that we were traveling big distances, which you kind of think isn't necessarily a good thing. But when you're sat with your ATF, who's very into uh, anatomy and biology, we talked nonstop in the van and he would quiz you and get you moving. So basically, I had theory lessons throughout the day while we were on the, mo- uh, on the road. Then the shoeing itself is a challenge because we were going over to the west coast of Scotland, uh, over to Skye every month, and those shoes had to stay on in vile conditions. But we managed it because Robin's very much about the basics. And interestingly, last night with the Dinner of the Legends, which was fantastic, when they were talking about, well, we didn't have glues and we didn't have this, we just had to make a shoe and nail it on. There was many times we were in that situation because when I started, Yes, there was glues, but we couldn't drive feet out. They were going to go in a saturated bog. We didn't have that option to fall back on. So you really learnt
1: to shoe feet. Well, I, I've <laughs> always said that about about the Scottish farriers. There, there is a far higher proportion, I think, of really top farriers in Scotland than anywhere else in the world. And it's because you can't get away with low nailing. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're the softest feet in the world, aren't they? There's
0: nowhere to hide. <laughs> no.
1: So you moved on and obviously took your associateship and then your fellowship, and what drove you to do those?
0: Probably the same as got me through my
1: apprenticeship, stubbornness.
0: Um, I always said I wanted to do my associate, and the fellowship was this magical thing in the distance. But I do love learning, and the fellowship came about um, probably through frustration and various people like yourselves going, when are you doing it? <laughs> um and I seem to remember you asked me that when I was getting, we were in the pub after my associate. What, me in the pub? Possibly, yes, possibly. Okay. <laughs> right. And it was a case of, oh, it kind of put the idea into my head. And the driving force behind it was actually the frustration to do with dealing with CD toe. And suddenly I had something I could get my teeth into that was then a thesis material. So I kept going.
1: It was well, The challenge okay. was there. And uh, of course, I knew that was what your subject was. And we're going to go into that. Uh, in detail in, in a very short while. But what I'd like you to tell me about is, uh, we're here at Paris Focus, tell me something about this event.
0: It's been fantastic and I've been down for the last three years now and to watch the progression between the amount of stands, the amount of people, from our point of view where we are We can have an amazing contact with people through the internet. I mean, Bruce Wilcox, I have had conversations with him through Facebook, but never met him. So it was very nice to actually shake a hand. And that sort of thing of pulling everybody together and it emphasises the Farrier family side of things. Then you've got the opportunity to go and watch people with skills greater than yours so that you can learn and watch um, how they do things and pick up tips. You can go and sit in the lecture theatre. You can learn from that. Going and seeing what products are out there, it's yeah, it's a great gathering. Effectively. Well, I, I'm told
1: there was possibly a thousand people there yesterday. That's fantastic. It, it will, there will yeah. be less today because it's uh, it's yeah. Sunday, but I think that makes it the biggest farrier event in Europe ever.
0: I think the guys from BFBA have done an incredible job. The work involved, and I think. Possibly folk don't necessarily appreciate that all the time, but when you look at the guys that have organised it, they are running so hard for so long to organise this, and I think uh, hats off to them. They have really, really done well. Well, with well
1: I, I join you with that, Sarah, because I've been a BFBA member. There wouldn't be that many people being a member as long as me, I think 36 years or something like that. And uh, I've never involved myself too much in it because I've gone down a different road. Mm. But I, I spent all yesterday congratulating the, the yeah. people that were involved in organizing, because it was just wonderful. It was fab, yeah. It was so, really good. so we've got another day to go back yeah, to really and important. have a look at that. Now, I know that your interest is in, in what I call keralytic <laughs> disease of the stratum medium. When you
0: came out with that in America, I thought, rats, <laughs> that was the right term
1: for it. <laughs> well, because we have this problem, don't we? We, yeah. we call it seedy toe. Americans call it white line disease
0: so much confusion. neither of them
1: is very good no. <laughs> very good um descriptive terms the trouble with keratolytic I mean, <laughs> exactly. disease is it's such a mouthful yeah but but we have to get there but anyway we'll put that to one side and you call it CDTO, and you describe to me what uh the process and uh of that and causes of that disease is
0: the starting point, I think, uh, that I came across when I was writing the thesis was actually deciding why something is there, a bit like anything else. If you don't know the cause, how are you going to deal with it? So I ended up classifying it into two types. So you had a structural CD toe, which is the one I then took forward into my thesis, and a systemic CD toe. So these were the ones that were affected by another cause. So whether it was laminitis, whether it was nutrition, but it was something that affected the whole horse, all four feet, and actually us as farriers could only advise but we couldn't directly do anything about because unless you take the cause away. So that's, you contract, type, that's type one. Right. And then you've got the type two structural. Um, and I always have to double check that I'm doing that in my head right. But the structural CD totes are the ones that we can actually deal with there and then It's the ones that in front of us were... This was born about a frustration of debriding an area of foot, as we were advised to, um, cleaning it out and optimistically saying to the client, can you keep it clean and dry until I see it the next time? And living in the north of Scotland, the polite reply was, yes, Sarah, even though you knew it wasn't possible. And the less polite reply was something else entirely, you try, as they turned it back out in the bog that it lived in and they didn't have an option. So it was a case of how can I remove the element of owner because that's always a variable that as farriers can be the biggest variable and the most challenging one so my thought was if you have a wound that has an infection you clean the infection and you prevent further infection by medicating it so if we think about the insult to the hoof capsule in that manner we debride it we remove the infection then could i apply something underneath a patch that would stop reinfection because I didn't think any of the products on the market would stop the environment getting in there. I didn't think I was going to be able to seal it entirely, but I wanted it so that if the bacteria got in, the environment was inhospitable to them so they wouldn't uh, survive and breed. And this is what led me down the route of trying various things and the ultimate I came out with was the copper sulphate under the patch. And as I say, these these bugs are eating horns. So, so,
1: so what are they? Are they
0: bacteria or are they fungus? We've got both. We've got a combination. We've got sulphur-reducing bacteria, which is the sulphur bonds between the horn cells. So these bacteria come in and effectively break down the welds between the cells. So,
1: so at that point, I knew we were going to get technical, <laughs> it's desmosomes that join the cells, but is it true that once they become horn cells they're really cornosomes?
0: Who now you really are testing okay. me at this time in the morning it doesn't matter yeah. no, it's the yeah. bonds let's leave it yes. at that it's the, bonds. the bond between it is what gets broken down and then we have a secondary thing of the fungus which are keratinolytic yes. um, and that then reduces the cells itself which are made up of keratin so we've got two pathogens that are attacking the very structure of our hoof wall the inner layers, so we can have that lovely scenario, turn up to what looks like a solid foot with a bulge in it, and you know full well that by the time you're finished, you're gonna have half a foot, which is then a structure that's not strong. It's then making everything complicated. So my other thing is if you can restore integrity to a foot and make it structurally sound, i.e.
1: with a patch,
0: but a medication underneath it to prevent further infection actually Bob's your uncle, you've got a solid foot, carry on, madam. Tell me, have,
1: um, you, have you got any idea, um, because at the start of this, this bit, I didn't want to overcomplicate it, because it isn't just t- attacking all of the stratum medium, it's only really attacking the inner, or the axial stratum medium, or uh, the unpigmented part. Mm-hmm. Any idea why that's so?
0: The only thing I've kind of come to is the fact that the structure of the hoof wall, where you have less dense horn tubules towards the inner layer, which is obviously yeah. your
1: flexible area because the hoof wall structure... They're larger and, 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 the, and less dense, the, yeah.
0: The, the structure of the hoof wall is so incredible in that our outer layers are the most protective and it has, comes in towards a flexible area, which it has to, because you've got the pedal bone inside it in a structure that's moving. So I think it is just purely that it's a slightly weaker area whether it's to do with the structure of the horn itself or whether it's also to do with the fact it's an anaerobic
1: environment in there, I didn't go to... Yeah, but, but we would at least find some hoof where, where it attacked the outer hoof wall and you never ever see it, do you? No.
0: I've had the odd one that appears to come into more outer layer and you'll almost get the the outer, very hard outer layer of the wall. You scratch that off and then you will get what looks like seedy toe but it hasn't gone all the way in. And those you can almost scrape off and they clear up. So I wonder whether that's almost they're following a fracture line or something, there's a weakness. Because there has to be, you don't see it in a healthy foot. There has to be a reason that it gets started, hence the structural bit, there's a, there's a weakness.
1: Okay, on the structural part, um, feel free to disagree with me, but my experience is that nine out of 10 are front hooves and the outer toe quarter.
0: I would say, I'm trying to remember back to the, the figures I had for my thesis. I think there was slightly more on the hinds than 9 out of yeah. 10, so I disagree with that slightly, but not a lot. There was The majority were front, and I would say the majority could be traced to how the foot was uh, loaded and how it was breaking over, which would go with That's it being on the outside. Um, hind feet quite often saw it appearing in horses that were skewing over their outside toe. So that tearing motion of a bone con trying to go one direction, and a hoof capsule being stuck in a different direction would create a weakness. And I've gone to two or three for other farriers and gone, it's because it's how it's walking. And when you watch it walk, you can almost go, that's where it will be. And it is, that's where the most strain is. That's where the weakness will be. That's where the infection
1: is. Okay, so it's quite complex. It obviously has to gain access, but then once it gains access, uh, th- there's a fairly predictable pattern to it yeah. although though some are far more aggressive than others
0: yeah you will get some that and I think everybody will have been in this situation you go to one and it's not too bad so you risk leaving it alone and you maybe put a little bit of putty and you think well I'm not burying a nail all the way down it I don't want to open it up because I don't want to open up a camel and worms or all the rest of it um, now I'm confident now I just open open them up if they're like that and others you will go to and you'll go to it like that and you'll go back the next time and it's not much different and others you'll go to the next time think this won't be too bad and you're looking at the foot before you start and there's a massive bulge and you get into it half the hoof capsule's gone now whether that's to do with environment management has there been a flush of grass and a lot of rain and the foot's got softer and therefore it's more prone to it has it dried up the best conditions we had for seeing it clear up was a really cold winter where we have frost and snow, and we had no foot infections at all across the board. Whoop, gone, clean feet. Okay, so they,
1: obviously the the, the um, pathogens were mm. been frozen to death. Yep, or like that. <laughs> it's way to go. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, maybe we should do a cold spray in them.
0: We actually looked at that <clears throat> as it was one of the things that I think Robin suggested because we looked at do we burn them do we freeze them but my thing is that is if you treat it at the time you're not you don't have an ongoing treatment my concern was I can't guarantee bacteria and fungus aren't going to get in the pathogens aren't going to be there in four weeks time and my cold freeze four weeks ago isn't going to kill them whereas something underneath the patch that is long enough working will still kill them off which was one of the treatments I looked at was actually silver based and when I talked to the guys that developed it they said it's not active for long enough we got an okay response on a short-shoeing cycle. It wasn't as good as the copper sulfate and the iodine actually worked quite well. But after four or five weeks, it's no longer active. So then you're back in the situation of, now you've got a patch with bacteria underneath it, you've now created the perfect environment, which is obviously... Yeah,
1: but it's a great combination because very modern technology of synthetic patch Mm. and underneath a very old-fashioned... Idea. idea yeah. but, but i know it works uh, really well mm-hmm. uh, just one other thing on that subject believe it or not i used to trim quite a few donkeys yeah and donkeys are more prone aren't they yeah. to to this disease than anything definitely yeah uh, do you think that gives us an, another clue as to i what, think what again causes?
0: the, the horn structure with the donkeys and environment donkeys, yeah, donkeys are donkeys not have... meant to live in britain <laughs>
1: really no and of course um uh, you know they do a wonderful job the donkey sanctuary yeah. Uh, but their main place is down there in Devon and Cornwall, where it rains more than... It, it nearly rains as much as where you are. nearly. Whereas where they should yeah. be is where I live.
0: Yes. On the sandy soil. Apart from when I come to visit you and it rains. Oh, don't yeah. worry.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll stop bragging that I'm in the driest <laughs> part of Britain. Okay. Now, um, since you got your fellowship, um, you, you've been involved more in education, which is as... It is what happens to most fellows because that's part of the, the point yeah. that you don't just fill in, finish, get your lovely certificate, get FWCF yeah. after your name. You carry on contributing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know you're contributing in a couple of ways. Uh, you've developed a, a, a conference.
0: With, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, the Scottish Equine Education Seminar, which nicely fits in uh, to an acronym of C's. Yep. <laughs> um, so tell us about that.
0: Well it was actually an idea born, it was a joint idea between a physio (coughs) friend of mine and who keeps me right and also works on horses, but it came from the fact that we actually went up and down the country to quite a few events together and it was always this thing of they were always at the other end of the country. We also, Rob and I also used to go down to Warwickshire for the combined equine practitioners seminar I think it was, uh, which actually sadly stopped a few years ago. And the basis behind it is getting everybody together that is professionally involved in horses and sharing our knowledge so last year we had uh russell guy guire speaking and i we picked a theme and said right can everybody talk on this so it's not so much about going there and learning more about farri if you're a farrier it's learning about physio and it's learning about whether this was gait analysis we were looking at we had a vet speaking Uh, We're planning October next year and at the moment I've got lined up a a physio and hopefully a a farrier and we're going to look at rehabilitation for the injured horse. So it's everybody's take on their little world and if we can all get together and start understanding how another profession can help, we might all start working a little bit better together for the horse. So that's effectively the, the grounds of it. Well, I know
1: you've got a good start, so good um, It did good go luck. very
0: well, thank you. Good luck, yeah. I
1: hope it keeps building. I'm going to start working
0: on it now. <laughs> I've got well, a year to do it. <laughs> Get it
1: well, going. The, you know, good conferences, yep. that's, that's yeah. usually how long it takes. Yeah, there's a lot of work <laughs> uh, to do them. Uh, you've also got involved in an idea which is called Farrier Tuition, so it gives us a clue. Yeah. So, so tell us something about that.
0: Well, that's actually, credit goes to Jay Tovey. Um... He had come up with the idea of, there was a group of us that basically came through the fellowship reasonably close together. It may have been six months, a year apart. And we were all very good at giving each other support and bouncing things off each other. And I think Jay had said, well, everybody's got their strength. Let's pull this all together. um, And everybody can put their bit in. And of course, one of the things for me where I am is I'm a long way away from everybody. Um, And my strength is the theory side of things. I don't go and stand in a forge for fun and teach people, that is not my strength. So he wanted to play to everybody's strengths and he said, right, yours is that, how can we utilise it? People who sign up get sent an exam question, whether it's diploma level or associate, and they have a week to answer it. They're given advice on how to go about it. So we're trying to teach exam technique and then they get feedback on what they've done for their answer. So it's getting them into the way of answering exam questions, answering them in the time, one of the biggest things i'm seeing is exam technique is the weakest area and i think quite often for the guys that are coming to their associate maybe later on they've maybe missed out from the college days or they've forgotten it from the college days so it's training people to put down the information correctly so that it's one less hurdle you don't practice for your practical exam by not making the shoes you might do in your exam so it's exactly the same for the theory so that's my element of it and then the other guys are doing their strengths. I know Stephen Hill's going to do a dissection and Simon Moore's been involved. We've all been part of All author, the new Rob, fellows. Yes, basically. The, all the, my the babies. Re- that's the one. <laughs> yeah, We're all causing mm. trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant because that's, that's yeah. what um, I and everybody else always wanted to see. Mm. So tell me, how do farriers find you?
0: Right, well, the, first, the easiest contact at the moment is probably through Facebook. And if they look up, there is a farrier tuition page. Um, Jay has been landed, well it was his his fault, bless him, so he's been kind of landed but doing the admin side of it and I think we are going to look to pull together and create a little bit more substance to it because to be fair, this last year was a bit of a, will it work? I think we've all been quite surprised at how well it's worked and certainly I have from the question side of things. I mean, there's a waiting list and I'm kind of going... I'm going to need more time, and I'm, I'm creating more time as of next year. So it has taken off and it's been hugely popular with the Americans okay. because they haven't got any structured system for the higher exams. So it gives them a chance to actually get a mentor or a, a tutor for that side of things.
1: So just to reinforce that, if they go to Facebook, if they put in Farrier tuition, yes. they will find you. Yeah.
0: And if, if right, they're well. struggling through that, they will find it through me or through Jay Tovey. And we'll point them in the right direction.
1: Good. Well, thanks for that, Sarah. So I'm going to do a couple of uh, quick fire questions. Uh, Hot or cold showing? Hot. Keeps your coffee warm. Loop or straight?
0: Depends on the foot.
1: Uh, Barefoot or shod? Depends on the horse. Chestnut or grey? Chestnut. Ah, Less flies. flies.
0: (laughs) Is that right? The greys can be really bad for midges and clegs in the summer. you will wipe them off the sides and leave a trail of blood where they've been chewing the horses. So, yeah.
1: Okay, (laughs) well, that's a bit of knowledge that I didn't know about. All right, I I need to ask you a deep philosophical question. Uh, What is the greatest hurdle that we need to overcome?
0: Our own minds and our own narrow mindsets. This thing of deciding that we know something and therefore closing our minds to other options listening to people
1: okay thank you for that all right sarah so i know you you're you're busy uh, because we've just been discussing that but is there any other targets for the future
0: um at the moment develop what we've got going um i think and i'm also i don't like to run before i can walk and i've never done that at any stage so at the moment if we can build the farrier tuition into a stronger thing if i can get the seminar to be a success a second year running then i'll believe it's not a fluke um and to carry on learning and I'm, I'm really loving the teaching element without having to leave the place i love and all the commitments are at home because we have a lot of other things on, in the fire as well that aren't Farry related so dan my husband who i wouldn't have got all this f- as far as i have without him because he's been brilliant is kind of he needs a bit of backup as well now
1: <laughs> well they say behind every great woman there's a... <laughs> a a tall, a tolerant man. <laughs> a man doing the washing up. Um, so, so tell me, um, I should have asked you. You're up in the Highlands. Uh, do you partake in any Highland sports? Deer stalking or? Fishing? Salmon fishing? Fishing's
0: or? the one thing I've not done. Um, I've not had a huge interaction with the others, other than through farriery. So we are involved in shoeing ponies for deer stalking, so they carry the deer off the hill, yeah. which is quite a niche part of the farrier world. And hopefully you will get to come up and see that niche yeah, at some well, point we've, for we've your We've sort of made
1: a rough plan yep, for me to come up and see you.
0: Um, so from that side of things, I think that's the other thing with the Highlands. Apart from in-work racehorses, um, we actually see pretty much everything. It may be in a very small scale. I have short polo horses that were traveling, or polo ponies, but we get a range of everything. So through the farrier world, I've seen every bit. The personal life of sport, that requires time, and I haven't quite sussed that one out yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, I, I hope you develop a little bit more time. But now, what's your role here at Fariot Focus, or are you just wandering around enjoying yourself? I'm
0: wandering around enjoying myself. Well, that's very It's brilliant, good. because the last two years I have spoken, and so it's very nice to be able to yeah. sit at the back and learn. Um, because when you're teaching... Or when you're speaking, you do get caught up with, oh, I've got to do this. And it doesn't matter how calm somebody looks. They're all still thinking about it and, and going over it, perhaps apart from you. Um, <laughs> but it's really nice just to sit and listen and learn and see people. And I've met so many people that I either haven't met before, but I knew through social media or that I haven't seen since last year. Um, it's been well, brilliant.
1: Well, we'd both better get back there. We've yeah. got, we're only got a five minute drive and then we're in back at Ferry and Focus. Sarah, it's been really lovely speaking to you. I hope I see you before next year. But um, as as we mentioned, I am going to definitely come up to the Highlands, uh, to the proper part of Scotland.
0: <laughs> come and see the proper hilly bit. Yeah. All right.
1: Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Sarah. Thank you.
0: We'd like to thank Hoof Care Essentials Foundation and their partners for sponsoring this episode. You can find out more information at hoofcareessentials.com You can follow more of Simon's work on Instagram and Facebook at DrSimonCurtis. To get in contact, please email the hoof of the horse at gmail.com and for everything else, go to drsimoncurtis.com